Welcome to the Avowed Podcast. I'm Jasmine Lilly. First time I tried to connect with Ellie Wildhagen and Zach Domes, we just barely missed each other. Ellie and Zach are the fantastically talented lovebirds behind Kindred Wedding Photographers in San Francisco, where Patrick and I traveled in January. I reached out to see if they might be interested in speaking for the podcast while I was in SF, and they informed me they were on the road and had just passed through Bozeman. It turns out, Montana was one of many stops in their ongoing passion project titled The New Americans. This January, for the second year in a row, they found themselves traveling across this enormous country interviewing and photographing extraordinary everyday people. Simply put, the results are breathtaking. I was curious how connecting to strangers in these intimate, unscripted moments was informing their approach to wedding photography and their own journey into marriage. So just meeting all these different people and realizing that everyone has such a similar potential and capacity uh, for greatness. Um, And even if no one knows their name and they don't have thousands of followers, I mean, it seems like such a a basic idea, but it, it, when you meet, a bunch of very different people and see how absolutely incredible and fascinating, like deeply thinking and like very loving each individual is. Um, It kind of changes the way that you see the person that you're standing next to at a bus stop. You know how sometimes you meet someone and experience that feeling of kismet when you fall almost immediately into comfortable conversation? Well, this interview I'm about to share with you was just that. It was so good that I was still high from the rush of human connection hours after we said our goodbyes. Our conversation went to some unexpected depths as we discussed gendered narratives, the necessary dark side of love, the language of we, and how familial sagas of love and divorce help shape our contemporary perspectives on love. Having to pick up pieces that were left from this, the broken marriages of my parents showed me what mistakes they made And I, for myself, learned how not to make them the best I could. All that and more on today's episode of Avowed. On your website... Under the About You page, you guys mentioned that you met while you were both photographing a wedding, and it's a pretty brief little mention of the story, but I'd love to hear the full enchilada. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Zach, do you want me to answer this one? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So we actually had met a couple of weeks prior to the wedding. He was having like a small gathering at his house, and we really hit it off. And he actually was dating someone at the time. And I just had this secret, massive crush on him. And at one point I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to meet your girlfriend. Like, she's going to be so awesome. Her and I are going to be like best friends. And he was like, actually, we just broke up. (laughs) And I was like, excellent. That's great. (laughs) Great news. Um, I mean, I'm so sorry to hear that. And so he was like, and on top of that, I'm supposed to shoot a wedding. And it's my first wedding I've ever shot. And my second shooter fell through. And he's like, and I can't pay my second shooter anything because it's my first wedding. And I was like, well, I mean, I shoot weddings. So, like, I'll totally assist you and uh, for free because I'm just so generous, you know. Nice. And I like you. So we ended up shooting that wedding together. And it was a total blast. Like, it was just instantly... We didn't have to communicate about our roles or our dynamic, which definitely changed as we worked together more um, and got into more, you know, a variety of uh, situations. We had to, you know, talk about all of that. But for the most part, it was just very seamless and natural. And um, Zach's more like this cat-like, very quiet, reserved human being. And I'm more like in the thick of it, 
kind of directing and outspoken. So it really works for the way that we shoot together um, and then our relationship as well. So um, and it was a friend, a friend of his, too. So we were we got to go to the after party and, and it was just really fun. So that sounds awesome. That was like our first official date, I guess. We ended up like holding hands at the end of the night. Oh, I love it. Well, that sounds like a blast. I love doing weddings for my friends because I get to actually see and experience the event because I typically yeah I'm sure you're familiar with like the cake people they come and they go and they like never actually get to see anything happening totally so it's nice when I do a wedding with my friends because I get to stick around and be a guest and actually watch all of the magic unfold absolutely yeah and that's kind of cool that you so was your introduction I know you're supposed to ask us questions but I'm so intrigued by you that you like we're making wedding cakes and then now you're just you're in it you know yeah well so the whole thing. my my origin story is I grew up here in Bozeman and I worked in the restaurant industry my whole life so I was always an artist really creative I grew up copying like Archie's comics and learning how to draw and I thought I wanted to be oh cool um, an illustrator or do like graphic novels or something. I was kind of a comic book nerd. <laughs> oh, cool. No, that's rad. Yeah. So when I started university at MSU here in Montana, I was going for illustration and then I fell in love with ceramics and metalsmithing. And I basically got like a double major in those two things. And then when I graduated, I had been working at bakeries and coffee shops all through out university and I knew I wanted to combine this art piece and this baking piece of the equation. And weddings seemed like the best place to do that because from a baker's perspective, it's like really, you know, the only opportunity where you're going to get to go crazy totally. artistic with something. And people are willing to pay f for the amount of time and energy that goes into something like that. So I never... I never really saw myself in the wedding industry. It wasn't something that I didn't dream of getting married when I was a little kid. It's never been a huge part of my conscious life until I joined the industry. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Mm. So when I joined the industry and I saw what it was like on the other side of the aisle, yeah. I say, um, it, I realized that there was a lot of conversation happening behind the scenes between people that worked in the industry that people who are getting married would really benefit from participating in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of what, yeah, so that's why I started the podcast was just because I felt like, you know, the wedding industry and the way that we perceive marriage and weddings has changed so dramatically in the past 10 years even, I feel like it's really abrupt. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like this unchecked progress where um, we're still going about following all of these traditions, even though they might not necessarily make sense anymore. And the industry, it's the industry itself has become more about fine art and, and less about family kind of I don't know I think you know weddings used to be very much about your family throwing you this party and it was really tight-knit uh, and then it obviously got bigger and bigger and bigger and now we're kind of in this new wave of the wedding industry where it's all really I mean I think of it as a collaborative art installation and that's pretty new and I just feel like absolutely I want to talk to people about that transition that's happening and Maybe if there are some traditions or some concepts that we can kind of check ourselves and question whether or not they mm -hmm. still make sense for us. Because, I mean, they're going to make sense for some people, but I think it just needs to be a larger cultural conversation. Absolutely. I think that there's a lot of very, like, lost traditions that happen in weddings that feel very empty now, but they're enforced because we feel like we need to do them because that's what our grandparents did but they don't have meaning for us anymore. Um, and I feel like that's an example of something that's happening at large in terms of marriage of why do people get married? Do they do it because that's a narrative that their family had for them or they the, the narrative that their family went down? And so that's one that they feel like is the necessary next step. And I think that, I mean, what the like divorce rate is like, you know, 50% of couples end up getting a divorce. And so it's kind of as someone that is also getting married, um, it is a very intense question to kind of face and ask and, and kind of check all those parts inside of myself that may be buying into a certain kind of narrative or hoping for kind of a simple narrative of, 
of why people get married and and kind of hoping that the now kind of archaic traditions and rituals that come with weddings and marriages will in some way ensure my happiness when I'm very different than my mother. I'm very different than other people I know that get married. And we're all very different from one another. Yeah. And we know many people that did that and it didn't work out. So, yeah, kind of reevaluating all of those things that we kind of just, yeah, assume will ensure our happiness, ensure the marriage or seal the marriage in some way because we're going through these rituals and kind of antiquated ideas of why marriage exists and why weddings should happen. Yeah, it's a really unique time to get married right now because we are questioning all of those things, but we're still dealing with our parents' generation and the peanut gallery right. that's like, you're not having a cake? You you need a cake. I hear it all the time where they're like, everyone in my family saying, I have to have this or I have to have that. <laughs> and yeah, And so there's a big dialogue happening between our generation, you know, people in their 20s and 30s who are getting married with their parents and their grandparents. And, and those people are coming to the weddings and they're like, what is happening? <laughs> this is crazy. This Absolutely. is not a wedding. <laughs> right. It's like a major production where it almost seems like people are trying to prove something than display or something or, you know, create an experience. Yeah. And like just shooting weddings. It's crazy. I think of it as this like pendulum and it's kind of gone really far in one direction recently. Yes, and I absolutely. feel like it's centering itself a little bit in terms of the soulfulness and the integrity piece of the equation, mm -hmm. which I really love seeing. Um, and I see that on all of the photographs that you guys take, which is part of why I was so drawn to what you do. I think that you have an incredible way of capturing really intimate moments that are, I don't know, sort of seemingly menial. There's a moment in, I was looking through your website and there's a moment in the um, gallery for Brooke and Brad, I think is their names. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. there's a shot of just a woman holding Brooke's elbow, I think after a hug. And it's so intimate and so pure and beautiful. And I just love that you guys caught that because I imagine that as a photographer, there's just a sea of photographic things happening all around you. It's so beautiful. And to kind of be quiet enough to notice things like that is, I think, really impressive. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I mean, it's it's a challenge every time. It's not natural at all. And it is, I mean, I think a constant challenge creatively to kind of see past the wedding industry and remember what drew us to it in the first place. And we always say that like some of our favorite moments and what we really challenge ourselves to capture the most is all the small exchanges that are happening at receptions. Because people at that point kind of have forgotten you're there. You know, you've been there for a couple of hours and just kind of watching and trying to get like very candid portraits and moments that, yeah, people don't realize that you're there and you're able to kind of memorialize for that couple of how they actually experience the day versus maybe what would be the most perfect way to have seen the day. With the two of you having such um, different personalities, as you mentioned, do you find that you each get shots that kind of reflect that? I feel like I tend to be a lot more um, overt, like if the emotion has to be overwhelming in a lot of my images because I'm overly emotional, um, that I Zach can kind of sense and see the subtlety in a lot of moments that, I kind of can write off. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think he definitely, and he's more of a landscape photographer, um, which I am terrible at taking photos of landscapes. So even just that, um, but even a little more existentially or philosophically, I think he sees those smaller exchanges, um, even if they're not really overt and really obvious, um, a little bit better than I do. I never, my, personally myself, went to photography school um, I taught myself, and uh, so it was like three or four years ago, I picked up a camera and started shooting for friends and for some companies that were uh, locally based, and just after having shot a little bit and started getting paid for it, I tried my hand at a couple of weddings, and that, that was when one of those weddings was the wedding that Ellie's second shot for me. So I personally, I just love... I'm getting to meet a couple who's uh, on this journey towards marriage. I love being able to yeah, meet their families. I love also just the, the, the excitement of the day. It's always different. And I'm not somebody who generally like loves work that can be safe 
or work that is predictable each day. I, I love work that's like every every day you're not going to know what you're going to have and what you're going to get. So that part I love. One of the big things that I love talking to people about is um, expectation versus reality in this industry because there is so much expectation built up for these days. A lot of people are dreaming about it their entire lives. And working in the industry, that is, I think, a big part of our pricing structure. I mean, that anxiety and that um, that crazy amount of pressure that you have on you to deliver. I mean, there's no room for mistakes in this industry. It's a one-and-done deal. And I'm always curious about how people's expectations measure up against the reality of situations, um, both inside the industry and outside of the industry. So I guess where I'm leading with this is you guys are engaged and you're getting married. And I'm curious how your expectations of that day have changed because you've seen inside this industry. Yeah. I mean, so we've been engaged for about 10 months. So it's kind of been a roller coaster of even facing all of those things that I thought I was immune from. Like, I'm not going to be one of those bride solos. I'm not going to be one of those people that has all these expectations for my wedding day because I've seen wedding days just fly by. Like I've talked to couples over a year, year and a half of them leading up to their wedding day, all the anticipation, and then five hours just flies by. So like, I very much feel like I've lived that kind of the reality of it, but it's still something where you're only going to do this once. And as a creative, as a photographer, um, I found myself pretty much going through every possible emotion you can imagine in terms of leading up to, to us getting married. Um, and kind of most of that is exactly how you put it, like shattering our expectations of the pressures that we kind of put on ourselves of what this wedding day should be. Since I've shot a hundred weddings, I want it to be better and different and more me than any wedding I've ever seen. Like I was over burlap and mason jars, like three weddings in. So oh my God, me too. anything I've already seen done, I'm like, I'm running in the opposite direction, you know, and, and kind of feeling like, Oh, I don't want to be another couple. I don't want to be just another wedding. I want to do everything unique and just realizing that's not possible. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with our intention or our love or how much we love each other or how right this is. Um, there is a certain level where the formula of a wedding day needs to take place so that it can be manageable. I think for I think one of the questions also that you sent me that I feel like ties into this, which has been more than the wedding day, because I used to be a creative director and we put on conferences. And so I'm kind of used to, you know, creating a production and having an Excel you know, she and doing all the, the kind of the managing of those parts that maybe are overwhelming for other people, or is this what's is that going to actually be like the day of? I'm not as intimidated by it's been a little bit more fun for me so far, but I think the main component that I've been wrestling with is, and I'm kind of, I mean, a little bit shocked about how naive I was even when we got engaged of the decision to be married and what marriage is to us. Yeah. It's a big one. It is. It is. And and you kind of, when you get, you anticipate getting proposed to, and you get anticipate someone deciding they want to be with you and you deciding to be with someone else. And um, our definition of marriage has radically changed even since we got engaged with the, the sobering reality that we will be married versus just living in a fantasy world of someday when we're married um, or someday when I propose. It's the reality. And so what does that look like? Realizing that we are two completely flawed human beings that weren't crafted in the beginning of time for one another. Like you hear in a lot of weddings, I'm sure that you've been to where it's like these two people God created from dust for each other since the dawn of time. They're like oh perfect gosh. for each other. So intense. Yeah. And I think <laughs> like when you, especially shooting weddings is kind of this overly romanticized day where when you step into it, it seems like these people are perfect together. Like you're not, seeing their messy apartment. You're not seeing the globs of toothpaste in the sink. You're not seeing them have to pick up their dog's poop. You're not seeing all the things that are the reality of life and the reality of relationships. Um, you're only seeing this intense connection where every single person, 200 people are all going, they're perfect for each other. Which also feels really reductive. Yeah, um, that's true. This like that these two people were crafted for each other by the heavens above. It's, um, I mean, I don't know about you, but 
I've thought a lot about this concept of soulmates and being like made for another human being and everybody feels differently about this but I've sort of come to the conclusion that I feel like our life has a lot of paths available to us and we can fork off in any direction at any time and I think that to me a soulmate is somebody that you decide to fall in love with and you decide to fall in love with everything over and over again even when it is terrible and painful. Absolutely. And I actually, um, so we recently lit, there's an amazing, um, interview by this guy that wrote a book, um, Alain de Baton. Have you heard of him? No. He writes this book. Um, it's basically about how you're going to marry the wrong person. Cause you don't realize that like, you're like, I'm 28. I'm mature. I have like faced reality. Like I don't have these preconceived ideas about it being a princess and having a prince, but like a lot of these funny little narratives based on Disney movies and just culture and even how like chick flicks can be, or, you know, rom-coms, like they all have this very simple, basic narrative of love. And the moment that that doesn't pair up with the person that you're deciding to make the biggest leap and the largest demonstration of that thing with it's nerve wracking. You're like, do I have the truth? And I just, they don't. Why, why is this the only thing that's being depicted? Um, and in this interview, he, um, talks about why you will marry the wrong person. And, um, and one of the things he says is that at the beginning of a first date, instead of kind of proving yourself and talking about how perfect you are or trying to find and magnify all the ways that that other person is perfect, it's more of something you should be like, I'm crazy. How are you crazy? I'm crazy like this. <laughs> and creating kind of this dialogue and awareness of how to deal with one another and stress um, and anxiety, which can be daily. And I think, you know, Zach and I have been together for almost three years, which is not very long um, in the big scheme of life. But um, I think looking back, the, the things that I love about our relationship are all the moments that have been really, really hard and confusing, like moments of disconnection, like not understanding that other person, not wanting to, and then reconnecting, like understanding how to deal with Zach when he's really stressed out, how for him to respond to me when I'm like not handling a situation well or under pressure. I feel like we're kind of creating and learning this language that only we know. And we're learning it together. And that's what's really amazing about marriage. And that's what's really incredible about being in choosing to be in a relationship with someone is choosing to kind of craft a relationship with someone. And I feel like what makes me most excited about marriage and, and what my biggest expectation of marriage is, is being in it with Zach and knowing how much Zach is in it with me to kind of craft this together Um, and it it changing and evolving every day um, and him being willing to demonstrate love to me um, when I'm most weak, when that's when it's most necessary. Whereas I feel like in a lot of times in love stories, it's kind of this very heroic, strong, beautiful, romantic kind of like just glossy version and depiction of love whereas I feel like where we experience the most intense love are in like the messy necessary weak vulnerable moments of our relationship um yeah so I think that's kind of even just speaking to your expectation in the reality piece I think that's the process we've been going through since we even just got engaged of I didn't realize how many expectations based upon narratives I adopted when I was young I was carrying into our wedding day and our marriage. Yeah, absolutely. That leads me into my next question, which is, um, I think a lot of, yeah, a lot of what we believe about marriage and weddings is fed to us by culture and these narratives that we've, you know, storybooks and fairy tales and all this stuff. But also a lot of it comes from the familial relationship to marriage that we've experienced with our parents and our grandparents and maybe our older siblings and cousins and stuff like that. And so I'm curious um, how your two family dynamics have helped shape the way that you're moving into this next phase of your relationship. That's a great question. These are all really good questions. Thank you. Great. I love this. Um, I mean, I think, and Zach, you can answer this question for yourself, but um, for me personally, I think it's like my dad's been married and divorced four or five times. Um, 
and my mom's been married and divorced a couple times. And so it's just um, kind of, I've learned even from their mistakes and kind of, yeah, just being able to see my parents as humans that fall in love and, you know, don't understand it and make mistakes and break up and go through messy breakups and messy divorces. And I think it's really interesting because our families are these people that we see day in and day out. We'll never leave them or break up with them, despite how crazy things can be and how dramatic things can be, you know, because like even with friends or like seasons of your life, like friends come and go, you know, you don't see them. And usually if something gets really intense, you, the friendship kind of ends or it passes. Um, yeah. But with the family, it's like, you're, you're still in it. So I think, um, yeah, I feel like I've, we've, I've gleaned a lot of themes from just the mistakes my family has made and being very human and very honest and very upfront. I think that there's been a lot that I've confronted my family with and um, have learned from them. Yeah, I like that. I suppose that, um, so first I'll answer, also lead, answer part of the question that was asked before and like lead into this question. Uh, I think from Guy's perspective, when I was listening to you guys talk about like the pressures of wedding day, I think obviously this is a generalization, but I think it holds true for the most part still in this culture, which is when a, I think when a boy is raised, there isn't a, there isn't this like, dream of one day having this big wedding right like that's not something that i any guys talk to about with each other yeah it hasn't been force fed to you it hasn't no. been force fed. <laughs> um and so the i think a journey for me would have would be the opposite in which shooting weddings and getting to understand what that looks like helped me to better see what relationship means and what that kind of a commitment means and and how sharing that with family and friends is 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 important. Like I better, I feel that more. Like I, and, uh, I understand it more on a, a level of uh, emotional intelligence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand. Like I think the pressure obviously is is greater for a bride. And I think that's something that I definitely have gained from shooting weddings, is seeing that. Yeah, I think the fairy tales and the television shows and all of that really sets little girls up for. Um believing and expecting that there's that they are half of a whole and that the other half is out there and that they need to be made whole in this quest for love and acceptance and support and I and I I mean I think part of that's human I don't think it's gender specific but I do Mm -hmm. think that that narrative isn't fed to little boys in the same way and that wedding day and that princess moment and that um yeah, that spectacle and that threshold isn't built up in the same way for little boys. And so, yeah, I am super curious about how gender roles play a part, obviously, (laughs) in our construct of marriage. Absolutely. So your family, Zach, um, are your parents still together or are they divorced? Uh, They're divorced as well. So, yeah, having to see that growing up, I remember going to, I remember in school, I would, I was, going to this like divorce uh, support group in uh, elementary school, uh, middle school in my school. And I, I remember going and not knowing, not knowing why I was being brought there. Uh, it was, it was cool. Looking back, I realized like, it's cool that they do that. Like really, it's a really great thing. Yeah. But I, I remember not knowing exactly what was happening and yeah, having to pick up the pieces later in life, uh, as challenging as it is, taught me a lot also about marriage and what it means. Um, like having to pick up pieces that were left from this, the broken marriages of my parents showed me what mistakes they made. And I, for myself, learned how not to make them the best I could. Yeah. I think sometimes, well, I'm always curious about how people get divorced too, because, you know, there's totally there's obviously people who really hate each other after they get divorced and I can't imagine loving someone so much and then hating them but then when I think about what an extreme emotion love is and hate really is the exact opposite end end of that spectrum Uh and so to feel so intensely for someone on one end of that spectrum and then to have that 
change, it makes sense that it would be much harder to find a space in the center where you are friends (laughs) rather than enemies. Like that would just be an easier emotion to tap into because you're already feeling that intensity yes. in your relationship. I I just, I see the framing of vows to just be wholly inaccurate. Like I just, I've learned to value and delight and find a deep sense of connection and moments of disconnection and conflict and pain and confusion with Zach. Because I because I'm in it with this person and I'm, and I'm learning with this person. And because this person is committed to at least learning something from every little bit of conflict with me, it's immensely rewarding that they're around the next day. And I'm around the next day because most, and like, we have like things that we say, so we, things don't escalate. Um, I have ways of like, like I said earlier, we just like, we have a language of how to deal with one another so that things don't become traumatic um, and we can get over them and, and we can heal from them and we can actually learn from those moments of conflict. And so even in, like I was recently writing my vows, um, and that's basically what they are of, of I'm, I'm very much aware that there will be times where I very much might borderline hate you. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I feel the sense of, of deep contempt out of like preserving myself, protecting myself my own pride, my own shame, my, my ideas about who I am. Um, and I think what's interesting is that like relationships deeply reveal all the flaws of how we operate and what we demand from connection and what we're kind of selfishly longing for in any given moment. Like even in this conversation, you know, what, like maybe I'm hoping to glean from our connection or maybe what I'm hoping the way that you'll see me in this connection that we're making, all of those things are defied in marriage because that person sees you fully for who you are, all of your weird desires and wants and motivations. Um, and, and in that like heals those parts of you, you know what I mean? Like he, like Zach very much can call those things out about me and the, my habits of relating that have been built up from my childhood or trauma um, and can reveal those things to me that I didn't even see and in that shape and change and heal the ways that I relate and my habits of relating to other people. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we have a habit in our society of um, talking down to darkness or yeah. um, depression or rough spots or whatever it is that um, hardship in general, right? We, yeah. we treat it like it's less than or um, as though it's something that we should just medicate and and, like not deal with or something, you know, Right, right. put a bandaid on it. And, um, I've always firmly believed that, that, I mean, I grew up, I had a, you know, I had a bit of a rough upbringing and there was a lot of intense stuff that I endured and I'm right. You know, at the time it was hell and I hated it, but on retrospect, you know, I really like the person that I am and it's because of those moments. And I think, a relationship is much like a human being in terms of its evolution. It's its own yes. entity, right? And and it's going to be affected in the same way by hardship. And much like Zach was saying earlier about loving a career and a life that provides challenge, mm. I think it's the same with a relationship. I think the strongest unions, the strongest marriages, and the strongest bonds are formed between people who challenge each other and it's not always a honeymoon period and there are fights and sometimes they're brutal but I really love what you said about creating that love language between the two of you that way of quieting those moments or figuring out how to like diffuse the bomb (laughs) yeah because there's gonna be bombs and it can get to these points where it's just like you feel like you'll never be reunited with that Mm -hmm. person in that moment you know, and navigating that, like feeling like so not enthusiastic about seeing their side or not enthusiastic about them. You know what I mean? Like having a totally different, I think when you're in a, in a fight, in a moment of conflict, your desires for the relationship can get skewed because it becomes more about your personal agenda. Yeah. So having a relationship that has a language where your priorities can live outside of these moments of conflict um, and can, and kind of steer the ship in moments where yourself kind of wants to run it, you know, um, I think is hugely important. And we have ways of, yeah, like checking ourselves in the, in those moments of conflict 
to de-escalate and to remind ourselves like the real priority of our relationship. Actually, the couple that I had referred you to, yeah. Maureen and Zell, you're going to love them. They're going to love you. Like you're perfect to talk to them. <laughs> I can't wait. I loved their video. They're incredible. They're like the most incredible enlightened people we've ever met, um, especially when it comes to relationships and marriage and all of that. But they talk about how in a relationship, two people create a third entity, which is the we. And it's actually like something that is created anytime Zach and I are together. We are forming this other being, essentially, this other presence that when you hang out with the two of us, you're experiencing something very unique that's different than if you just hang out with each of us individually. Um, and so I think in moments of conflict and in pain, you kind of forge that we and that third entity and that thing that you create together and how you handle and um, kind of navigate that uh, will determine kind of the presence that you have as a couple with someone or the presence of this thing that you're making together. Yeah. And it'll determine the longevity and the, and the stability, the long-term stability of a relationship too. Yes, absolutely. Yes, exactly. I'm always really intrigued by the tools that people use, like you're saying, to get back to we, you know, when you're feeling divided and you're upset with one another and just the ways that we center ourselves again and try and fall in love in those moments. And I've been with my partner for 10 years and we um, have had, you know, a few rough patches and there was one fight in particular, like we never fight. And there was mm -hmm. <laughs> probably one of the worst fights that we had many years ago. I think it was probably like five or six years ago. And, um, and we were just like not getting along particularly well. And then we like knew we needed a date night or something along those lines. And his friend had given him some, some weed cookies and we never smoke weed or like ever and so and he was like hey do you want to eat these weed cookies while we watch this movie after dinner tonight and it was I mean it was a ridiculous situation first of all because you can't like put a cookie in front of me and tell me to eat half of it I'm gonna eat the whole fucking cookie like that's oh no that is not happening so <laughs> yeah so it was it kicked in at the end of the movie and we both were like what is happening and and at first there was a lot of fear and anxiety and we both were like, let's just go to bed. We have to like just we have to peace out from the situation. But we couldn't fall asleep and we ended up staying up until like three or four in the morning laughing so hard that our stomachs hurt. And mm. and it was such um, a healing moment for us that was completely unexpected. It's not a tool that I've used since or that <laughs> I had used intentionally as a tool but mm -hmm. I think what it did was it put us in this situation where we had to be completely vulnerable there was no space for judging anybody there was no space for worrying about whether or not the other person was judging and that vulnerability like really clicked and healed something that was you know broken because of this fight and it was such a I don't know. It was, it's one of those moments in my life where I'm yeah. like, I still can't believe that that happened. It was so surreal, <laughs> but totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes we stumble upon a tool like that or a moment and it feels like, um, I don't know, like the universe or something. It's like put us in that situation where it was like, you never would have thought that this would help, but here you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it is, it's so like, it's so much more rewarding to be in that place of reconnecting with someone deeply in that way who is a person that you've gone through all the like uncomfortable moments with, you know, like to be able to just be laughing like that with him or whatever, you know, with a partner is probably like incredible. Cause you're like, Oh, we weren't doing well. And now we're like really laughing together, like fully. And yeah, it is so much more reward, more rewarding than even just like laughing with someone, you know, cause you're, you're going through, you're oscillating through all of these different stages together. Yes. It was, and it's still just the two of you. It was very intense. I think it's the same reason why people, you know, go on like a backpacking trip together or something to reconnect. You know, you put yourself in these situations where you you shut out the outside noise and it's just the two of you and you have to deal. And um, it's like, you know, trial by fire therapy, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to put it. Absolutely. So this trip that you guys went on, the New Americans, I love this project. I think it was 
so beautiful and the video I haven't I haven't made it through all of the videos yet but um the ones that I've seen were really moving and I'm curious how that trip and seeing inside those people's lives has you know being that this is during this engagement period and this wedding planning period and you know thinking about marriage and what that looks like to you. I'm curious if there's anything that you gleaned in your adventures across the U.S. speaking with these incredible human beings that you're eager to implement. I think, yeah, that's a great question. It showed or revealed just the potential for anyone to be absolutely incredible, like all different types of people, different contexts, different beliefs and political standings, different love stories, different passions. I just felt like I I kind of in our, and I haven't really thought this through entirely, so just bear with me for a second. Um, but like, I feel like we kind of have these narratives of these people that we see as heroic and they're usually celebrity status in some way, even if that's like Refinery29 or if that's even Brene Brown or people that were just like, these people are incredible. These people are highlighted in our society as being important and they're the ones that have the most truth and have the most of a thing to offer us and we should, they should be our guiding lights. And even that's in all of history. But um, I think literally meeting with so many people and the videos that you saw are actually last year's. So we were going to have another set of 30 videos. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. (laughs) So just meeting all these different people and realizing that everyone has such a similar potential and capacity uh, for greatness. Um, And even if no one knows their name and they don't have thousands of followers, I mean, it seems like such a, a basic idea, but it, it, when you meet, a bunch of very different people and see how absolutely incredible and fascinating, like deeply thinking and like very loving each individual is. Um, It kind of changes the way that you see the person that you're standing next to at a bus stop, you know, like, because we kind of just assume these are people that fall into the background, like even ourselves, or we, we think that we haven't arrived because we're not at a certain status, but in reality, that's not necessarily an indication for a life that's great or one that was worth living. Um, so I think it illuminated that, at least for me, um, about humanity. Yeah. Zach, what about you? Yeah, I like that. Um, I think that on top of what she said, like driving around the country at the same time as meeting these people who come from all different paths and journeys, um, it is so, is so, um, uh, amazing to be welcomed into these people's homes or if we meet them somewhere else just to, to feel very welcomed by them. It's, it's a mountain. It's like mind blowing to me that we could meet these people through friends or through whatever connections they are. And then they show up and we show up and meet them and interview them and photograph them. And it works. I mean, they share, they share with us uh, these parts of them that, a lot of times you have friends that you don't even share. You may have friends that don't share with you what, what these people share. And I, I love that. I love feeling received by people who I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm just meeting, meeting for the first time. Um, and then at the same time, like Ellie and I will go through, you know, ups and downs during the road trip as anyone would. And it just, I think every time we meet with somebody, they re, they revive us mm-hmm. on the trip. And that's like largely like what keeps us going on this kind of a trip like this. I feel like so much of what you're describing is what I'm getting out of this podcasting experience. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like it's so exciting to be having this conversation with you. We've never met in person. I feel like I know you on some level just simply because, you know, I follow you on Instagram and I'm a fan of your work, but I don't know you at all. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, it's so exciting to go from zero to 60 like that with somebody. And I think that it says a lot about, humanity and how we're all really looking to let our guard down and we're tired of masks and we're tired of you know small talk and and we're ready for intimacy and we are ready to have conversations that go to some darker places or reveal something about ourselves that we haven't maybe revealed to anyone before and it's almost like doing that with a stranger or somebody that you don't know particularly well can be easier sometimes without all of the baggage or without um, 
all of the, you know, subcontext. <laughs> Our expectations, yeah, like just, yeah, absolutely. So when is your wedding? It is in June, June 24th of this year, so in a few more months. And is that going to be in the Bay Area? Yeah, it's actually going to be in Elk. So it's about three hours north of the Bay. It's right south of Mendocino. Um, it's just this like, it's actually really cool. <laughs> it's like this really not typical wedding venue. Uh, we get it for four days and four nights. Um, it's just this like sprawling piece of rocky coast. It's just perpetually foggy, 1800s buildings. And it's really neat. Um, so we're kind of having, we're only having like a 40 to 50 person wedding. It's going to be really intimate. And so we're really, really excited. That sounds so beautiful. I think that's the way to do it. The four day deal. I yeah. If you're gonna if yeah. you're gonna ship in all of your favorite people, then like make it worth it, you know. Because what you were talking about earlier with like this five hour affair, and there's so many eggs literally just in one basket, and then totally, and then the basket's gone, and you don't yeah. remember any of it. Um, yeah. I have a bride that I'm speaking with later, who's having a wedding for 400 people, which I just can't even oh my gosh. fathom that many people and I mean guaranteed she probably she and her fiance probably only know like a you know 150 of those people I'm sure it's mostly like their parents friends and so on and so forth but um but yeah like just the amount of energy that you spend hugging people or taking congratulations from strangers in a situation like that right it's exhausting so I think that doing it small like you're talking about and drawing it out over a weekend is really smart that's how I would do it for sure yeah and we want like every person that's there I mean it's so gosh it's so funny when you shoot weddings you've I've heard people say all these things and I'm like but I mean it um <laughs> you know what I mean like it's just like oh god I know I, didn't I know come up with this idea but um, I, I really feel like every single person that's coming, I deeply know personally, and I'm willing to have this conversation we're having with every single one of them. Um, and I, they know our relationship, like each one of them knows us, um, and is going to be there for us in our relationship. And I want that our wedding day to display that and to kind of demand that from them and to the commitment to not just be between the two of us, but to be with the people that we feel are most a part of our relationship already. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of been an uncomfortable conversation at times, you know, telling a lot of people they're not invited that are asking me when the wedding is because I only talk to them once a month. You know, I don't talk to them every day. So I'm not going to probably have them there for this very intimate relationship that demands something from them. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of like the tone of our, our wedding and what I want it to we want it to be in terms of the experience. Yeah. And what that reminds me of, honestly, is um, kind of the original intention behind a um, wedding, not a marriage necessarily, but a wedding, right? The celebration, which is, mm. you know, there's often that moment with the officiant um, where they say, like, you know, you're all here because they've chosen you as their support system. Like, you are here because you are going to play a piece in the story that they're telling and that they're weaving. And like you have a responsibility as their friend and their family to support them when shit gets tough and when it's great. Yes. And yeah. I think that when you have a wedding, I don't know, I love I love what you're saying because to me it feels like it's almost a framework for that guest list because there are people mm -hmm. that you know, love Zach and there are people that love Ellie. You know, there are people that have seen you guys individually that maybe aren't haven't been present for the two of you very much. And I love this idea of creating a guest list around the people who you know are going to be there in a more intimate way moving forward. Absolutely. Neither one of you has ownership over them. It's like, here's my, you know, great aunt who you've never met before who, like, you know, and obviously right. those people are going to be there. There's going to be a few family members or something that haven't met before. There always is. But I love the idea of creating a guest list um, with that as like the cornerstone for the for the decisions that you're making because there's so many people that we connect with in our life and it is a hard list to make and yeah absolutely and I think I mean I like that even just basic things of like I'm intimidated I don't want to be in front of 200 people already 50 people feels like a lot to share an intimate moment with Zach that's authentic and vulnerable and honest and candid in front of 40 people so 
even just feeling like, who do I feel confident in front of and like know, and they know me and I, I feel like they accept us and accept me. And that will give me the confidence to be able to be up there at all. Because I, I think that's a component that I know I've been wrestling with is just being in front of a lot of people um, and feeling very on display. I don't really like that. Like we're photographers. We love being behind the scenes, not seen kind of people forgetting that we're there, like being able to watch other people. Yeah. And you're going to have to be the center of attention. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking forward to that. So I think that was another component of it for sure of creating it with very intentionally with people that we trust and love and know us. And we know deeply uh, was for that, even that safety a sense of a feeling known. Yeah. And actually I know several couples who are photographers together, like you guys mm. um, that are married. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a common thing. I'm, it's like, I'm realizing that it's a common thread. <laughs> the first couple that I met, I was like, Oh, how interesting. And now I'm like, wait a minute, there's a lot of you guys. Yeah. But yeah, I think the couple that I'm thinking of right now, they also had, I think they eloped and they had like a really small thing. And I imagine, yeah, as a photographer being on that side you know, lurking in the bushes a little bit um, and kind of hiding in corners so that you can capture moments without influencing them would translate into trying to have a wedding that wasn't ostentatious and out of control and big. Right, exactly. So as you guys, you know, come up on this big day, it's pretty close here. I mean, it's already March. I don't know how that happened. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? uh, what moments are you looking forward to the most um, on the wedding and then um, on the other side of that threshold? I personally, I know what I'm super stoked about is having all of my friends in one place. I like a lot of my friends are from various different seasons and don't live near me. Um, and I'm very close to them um, in spirit. So did have all of them from all these different walks of life all be in one place and being supporting us and staying with us in the house for four days. And um, I'm really, I just love people so much. Like I just love my friends so much. I'm just so excited to be with all of them. Um, and and to then of course be marrying Zach in the midst of all of that. I don't know. It's kind of, it's an interesting thing because we're both not from where we live now. So just to have all of those people in one place supporting us and loving us and celebrating with us is pretty profound. I mean, I feel like it's, to me, the core of every moment that I enjoy in life is that, that connection and that support and that love. And yeah, I love that idea of like families coming together and uh, supporting a relationship. Like, I feel like that's a really unique milestone. I feel like it's a really unique idea. Um, like that two people can come together and that the community around them supports that. Right. And I think it strengthens it strengthens not only our relationship, but relationships we have with those people, too, mm-hmm. because then they see who we are through our relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, and I think everyone kind of learns something through that. Yeah, I feel like because I, you know, you'll have friends be like, you and Zach are so great for each other. You know, you guys are totally right for each other. And I feel like a lot of times the reason why I glean confidence from being in a relationship with Zach are a lot of the things that people don't see. So I'm always surprised when people say that. Cause I'm like, cause we're good at hanging out together. Like do you <laughs> see this when we're doing taxes. Yeah. You're like, you have no idea. Yeah. Like, you see <laughs> when we're trying to do a billion things at once together or you see us, you know, and I feel like your wedding day, we're able to articulate that a little bit. Um, and even something I did kind of want to say or talk about, um, was both of us come from families that are religious. Um, they're all Christian and we're not, mm-hmm. um, and we're pretty adamantly not, but we're very like spiritual people and not in a discounted way, um, not in a side thought way, very much in a, yeah. we need meaning, we need purpose, we need a sense of, you know, seeking the truth um, and and having divine experiences. Those are essential to my experience of life. Like I absolutely need those. So for us, like kind of a a thing I'm really looking forward to and crafting is the ceremony and having it be deeply spiritual and sacred without it being religious um, and, and using different 
texts and secular texts and poets and literature to kind of marry and even music to kind of marry together all of these things that we value that we aren't able to really express or share with our family um, when it's just us with the, in their context. You know what I mean? Like we go visit them in their homes and we go to church with them and we do the things that we, we need to do to show them love and for them to, to feel seen. So I think it's important to us to be able to kind of show that sacred moments can be expressed and experienced and spiritual moments, profound ones can happen um, even when it's not in a church or even when it's not religious. Yeah. Do you have like, I guess, do you have hope and expectation tied to that? I, I feel like if I was you, I would really want that moment to illuminate something for them about why I had made that decision. Yeah. I mean, I think, I already feel myself being like, don't have too many expectations about what it right. might be. Someone <laughs> for totally forget to bring the Khalil Gibran text or whatever, you know. But um, <laughs> so, like, I feel like there's going to be some element of that. But um, I think, yeah, I mean, I very much have this hope that because I think my my family and our family see us as this journey back to Christ or this journey to the truth that they've they have and they've arrived. Because that is their own truth, right? I mean, you hear that a lot, yeah. um, which I don't think any of us will know the truth. But for them, this thing works, and they think we are on the path to the thing that works for them um, when we feel like we're on a very different path, and we can respect what they've discovered and they've learned from life, but we experience something radically different and, and look to something radically different. So I do feel like I hope that they will surrender in those moments of it not being exactly what they would say a wedding should be. Um, I remember mm-hmm. my mom, like for my whole life, this is totally a perfect example of like, like conversations mothers and daughters have, but no one, like, <laughs> fathers and sons don't have these conversations. Um, whenever I was like all growing up, my mom was like, you have to get married in a church. Like it needs to be in a church. That's where God lives. You know, like all these kind of just classic Ways of being, and that's where God, and even when I was Christian, I was like, what about a forest? Like God created the forest. So can I get married there? Like, doesn't he exist in the forest? But he, but in marriage and in the wedding day, he only exists in the church. Right. And so, so then one time we were at the, um, the Reagan museum and my mom loves Ronald Reagan. Reagan. So we're at the Ronald Reagan museum and it's like gorgeous. I don't know if you've ever been, but it's just like this beautiful all glass building. And my mom's like, gosh, this place is gorgeous. I love this. Um, And I said, oh, it'd be really neat to get married here. And she goes, oh, my gosh, you should totally get married in the Ronald Reagan Museum. (laughs) And I was like, I can get married anywhere I want. (laughs) That is officially the conversation that just happened. That's amazing. There's no way I, I don't. I never have to get married in a church now because you said that. If God lives in Ronald Reagan Museums, he lives anywhere. That's so good. So, um. There's little things like that where, like, I do hope that my family recognizes a spiritual presence or a spiritual experience, even if if it doesn't fit their standards um, and even limitations of what a spiritual experience can be or where it can exist. So, okay, last question. Um, As photographers, as people who are so aware of details and, and photographic moments and trying to create an ambiance for that to exist (laughs) or is there anything um in terms of like what you've crafted with your vendors and you know visually or like I mean you mentioned the fog that seems like that's going to be like a really incredible prominent part of your photographs um so I'm curious if (laughs) aside from you know obviously the soulful like connecting with all these people and having them all in one place again um just from a details perspective what are you excited to see come to fruition in those moments? Like in terms of aesthetic? Yeah. Kind of like, thing, yeah, or? yeah, definitely. Like, is there anything specific that you're really looking forward to? Um, well, our theme kind of, or whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever that is, um, is Dutch masters. Cause I studied fine art in college and I just love like chiaroscuro and this like certain type of floral arrangements and lighting and color palette that are like the Dutch masters exemplified. So I'm really excited to incorporate a lot of like bare wood um, and like kind of sprawling floral arrangements that aren't, you know, are asymmetrical and not, you know, um, 
I just a kind of this like wild overgrown feeling I'm really excited about. And we're just going to have one long banquet table with tons of candlesticks. Um, and we're going to stay outside the entire time. We're going to let off Chinese lanterns. Um, I'm hoping to maybe have a, have you heard of a silent disco? No, tell me. So it's, it's really cool. I want to have one. Um, so some clubs are doing it because there's like a sound ordinance where you can't play music loud after a certain time or whatever. And they, there's these Bluetooth headsets that you can put on and there will be usually like two DJs that are like battling or whatever. And everyone has these Bluetooth headsets on and they're highlighted a different color based on whatever DJ they're listening to. So you, everyone has these headsets on and they're dancing and everyone can just hear the music through the headsets. But it's kind of a neat, fun and quirky experience that you don't normally get at a wedding with dancing um, and just being, you know, conscientious of sound um, and all of that. I kind of have this dream of getting, you know, 50 Bluetooth sets and having like a DJ battle. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> I amazing. Wedding. I love that yeah. so much. Also, I wish you could have seen my face when you said Dutch Masters because I, too, went to art school and I like, yeah. I had like heart eyes when you were describing. <laughs> I was like. That is brilliant. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you have a <laughs> Yeah. I know, right? It's just like the most beautiful color palette. Um, so, yeah. So, we're definitely trying to recreate that. And I'm, and I'm really excited about it. Like, the whole process of creating this experience, because it's also been so intimate and manageable, because we're only having 40 to 50 guests, is I can really think about and we can really plan the creative part of it and what we want to do to make it special. Like, we want to handwrite get letters to everyone. Um, so, and just stuff like that. And we're going to have like, I mean, I don't know how much you want to know. You can cut me off at any point. You know, you just asked me the question. Um, but we're going to have like the tables are going to be places that we've traveled together and each person gets an artifact uprising print from that place as you know, their gift. Um, so we're kind of just trying to like have it exude the creativity that is kind of the backbone in which we exist. And we, draw inspiration from in terms of places and themes in art history and that kind of thing. So I love that. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Anything specific that she didn't mention that you're really excited about? Hmm. I personally really love how, what the Dutch masters theme, how it plays with the landscape. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really, I'm, I'm huge with like the place, the, the barn, um, and, and how it all mixes together. I, I personally just love like the whole combination of everything. Yeah. I can't wait to see these photographs. They're going to be. I know. Who, who Who's photographing it? Because obviously you can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you heard of Sarah Byrne? No, but I'll she, look her up. Um, she's really awesome. She was originally part of Dylan and Sarah, but now she's doing her own thing. And yeah, she is an amazing work and we're really excited. Oh, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Well, for what it's worth, I have total faith in you guys. <laughs> Not that I'm like any kind of marriage guru or anything, but I feel <laughs> like just what, what we needed. Yeah, I feel like what you've described feels really um, like you. Yeah, like you have a good head on your shoulders collectively <laughs> and a really, um, yeah, I don't know, a really realistic, but also kind of magical and hopeful way of looking at the whole thing and I'm really excited for you well thank Thanks. you yeah, yeah that's what we we try <laughs> try to have try to maintain you know yeah um, absolutely yeah. it's such great questions I'm so thankful that you were able to even just kind of record this time in our life and I feel like this represents us absolutely accurately like you have a really good way of framing things and kind of drawing the real answers out of us at least and um yeah, I'm really stoked how this went and um, just really grateful that you're spending your time asking us and, and wondering about these things about us and marriage. And I think it's really noble what you're doing. I feel like this doesn't exist and needs to and was everything I was frustrated with when we got engaged and um, it's very, very necessary. So we applaud you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um... Yes, absolutely. And it's kind of crazy. As soon as you get married, every advertisement that floods your computer and the sidebars of everything is just so this weird culturally driven version of marriage and wedding and the production of it and the standards of it that are just so far reaching and impossible to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, and you're just, as soon as you get engaged, because you usually announce it, you know, online or something, it's just yeah. advertising shows it's advertising, you know, just all these things that are so, um, 
unrealistic and in no way match what you were actually trying to achieve um, and can totally distract you from the like meaning of marriage and the meaning and, and place of a wedding day. So yeah. I think it's time to inject some soul back into this industry. Yes. That's good. That's, that should be your, it's part of my pitch. Mission somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of my pitch. Don't worry. I got that locked well, thank you guys so much for speaking with me. This has been really wonderful. This has been like unexpectedly deep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I never know where these are going to go, but I feel like we covered a lot of really intense area and I am, I feel like you've given me a lot to think about, which is really same. cool. That's always fun for me. <laughs> yeah. We feel the, we feel the same exact way. Um, yeah. It, you're, you're the person to do this podcast for sure. <laughs> oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. That's another episode of the Avowed Podcast. As always, I've got an accompanying blog post waiting for you over at jasminrlily.com. That's Lily spelled L-I-L-L-Y. With photographs of Ellie and Zach, links to Kindred, the New Americans, and my own ruminations on today's thought-provoking conversation. Thank you for your continued listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And if the mood should strike you, reach out and tell me about yourself. Last week, I received the most touching email from a listener, and it literally made my day. Success is a funny thing to contend with when it feels so obviously quantified by likes, shares, and listens. But hearing from you about how this podcast has touched your life is a far better measure of my success. I'm realizing more and more that this adventure I've set out on is without destination and defined instead by the connections that I make with you. So let's connect. <laughs>